Youth sport is a billion dollar industry. Athletic development plays a significant role in that. I'm your host, Nathan Parnham, athletic development coach and author of The Sporting Parent. Here, I'll share my thoughts on youth athletic development. With over two decades of experience, having coached thousands of athletes, built multiple school programs, transitioned into professional sport, and having done so across both genders. Welcome to The Get Down, a podcast for parents, coaches, and schools involved in the youth sporting landscape to help set your athletes or programs up for success. So welcome to episode number one. Super excited to present this information and project with you all. But I suppose before I get into it, I just wanted to give some insights into why I've decided to go on to or create a podcast, essentially. And the background of that is that off the back of the success of the the Sporting Parent book, which I've been super grateful for, everyone who purchased the book, recommended it, or referred a friend, auntie, uncle, and the likes. Off the back of that, I've had numerous people reach out week in, week out, questioning all things to do with youth athletic development, whether that comes from creating their own, writing their own programs, or that's a parenting question when it comes to the sporting side of things and the athletic development and sporting journey that comes with that, along with the schools in taking part in the youth development space. So the reason for it, is I wanted to address a lot of the commonalities. So if you look at it like a conference perspective, so when you're at a conference or there's a, a public speaker in a guest forum, then nine times out of 10, majority of the, the audience don't want to ask a question. But if you've been to a conference before, you will often hear the presenters say, please don't hesitate and ask a question because there's no such a thing as a silly question. Nine times out of 10, the audience are thinking the same thing. Or alternatively, there may be that instance where people in the audience aren't, but what they have actually done is learn from that person who's asked the question. So what I'm hoping to do here is address a lot of the common themes that have come out from people reaching out to me in that way that it can serve two purposes. One, in that it can share that information so we can all get better in the process. And secondly, that it allows me to evolve and also learn from some of the potential guests that we have on. So what's the format of the podcast? The goal for this for me is to make it a short, succinct podcast episode week in, week out, so that we can focus on one topic where there'll be a challenge presented, the hurdles that might come in overcoming that, and then the finale being the actionables or the takeaways that you may think of of how you would approach it relative to your own environment or context. It's a four-part series that's provided weekly. If you look at it like a schooling term, so over eight weeks, there's also going to be two special guests per eight-week part that come with that that are game changers, thinkers, revolutionaries in their space to once again help me and us all as a community get better partaking in youth athletic development and the sporting journey that comes with that. So without further ado, let's get into episode one specifically, which is to do with programming and more specifically, 
coaches working within a school context of athletic development. So if you're a coach in the youth setting, and once again, specifically in the high school, because everything has a context to it, you may find yourself in one of three positions. The first one being that you may stumble across a gig somewhere and you're a casual coach and you may be that only casual coach of the program. Secondly, you may be overtaking from someone where there may be a model that is no longer prevalent or evident there, in which case you're going to take the reins. Or thirdly, you may find yourself in your first full-time gig as a director of strength and conditioning or athletic development, and you're wondering where to start, where your priority areas lie. So if you find yourself in one of these three instances, I want to introduce you to the get down. The get down is, for this episode, three distinct parts that you should prioritize. The first one being what long-term athletic development model you are going to use and why. The second one, how early are you going to implement hard or soft implements to do with strength training? And the third is how are you differentiating between general or student athletes and the importance of why? So let's look at the item number one, which is long-term athletic development models. So essentially you have two sides of the fence, so to speak. So the first one has got to do with the traditional, which is the Bali model, which was a five-stage model and then transferred into, eventuated into a seven-stage model. And the other side of the fence, you have the youth physical development model. Now, what's the difference between the two? This could take a podcast episode within itself, but I just want to highlight some key context to this. Firstly, is the Bali model is heavily based on chronological age that comes with this, whereas the youth physical development model is heavily based upon stages of maturation, not necessarily chronological, but more biological age, and the appropriate windows that would prioritize certain training qualities or athletic qualities in that particular instance. So there's pros and cons to both, but I just want to delve into the model that I, I ch- choose to use and why. So the first one is I adopt the Bali model because if you think of in a schooling framework, majority of everything that they do is in age categories, if that's their sport participation, which is their chronological age, or alternatively, it's to do with their year cohorts. So essentially, they're still hanging out with the same peers and they're going to be associated or paired up with these, their peers throughout the stages of their schooling journey. The reason why I choose to use this model is because whilst I completely acknowledge the research side of it in identifying stages of maturation, I'm yet to establish and find an efficient way to do this based on the sheer numbers that you will be working with as a coach in a high school setting. So to keep it real with you and to put that into context, it may be as little as five to eight students, as in per coaching session, up to the maximum I've had is about 120. So that's one coach to 120 students. Now for me, the effectiveness of 
Each session is heavily based around how I can categorize and program for that accordingly. It's not that I'm dismissive of the different stages of maturation, but I'm yet to find a test, a protocol that can be done in an efficient way covering such large masses. The second reason for that too is the inconsistency of attendance. There may be an instance where there's 30 students in a particular session one week, and then another week there might be 100 odd students, of which you may never see again. Ideally, hopefully you do, uh, those returning students. But the guide is that if the true north of it is an LTAD model, in my case, the Bali model, is an effective true north to base all my programming around. What does it look like in its simplest form? Broken down into four terms, and there's two four-week mesocycles in each schooling term. Why is that the general rule of thumb? Because schooling terms in Australia will generally range from eight to 11 weeks, depending on the state. Now, in an eight-week term, that fits perfectly. But if it's a 10-week term, as an example, the first week of the school term is usually a little bit of, um, a little bit of inconsistency in establishing habits and routines. So the reason I'm highlighting that is because the first week of the term and the last week of the term are usually the most inconsistent. So even if it is a 10-week term, two four-week mesocycles being eight weeks, then the first week can very much be an introduction to what that program is. And the last week can possibly extend that out to a five-week or you might implement some form of testing as a part of that model as well. Or we could discuss this in a later podcast episode, but the nuances that come with challenging the students in what they've learnt. But your programming essentially could be two four-week mesocycles each term. This would be in a high school setting from year seven through to year 12. So overall, every year group has eight programs that they will be completing. The compound growth of that if a student goes from year seven through to year 12 participating in that program is unquestionable when it comes to their athletic success. The second part that I want to talk to is to do with hard versus soft implement. So the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association in their level one and level two courses refer to soft implements being medicine balls, bands, suspension trainers, and the likes thereof or hard implements being dumbbells, barbells, kettlebells, and you get the gist of it. The reason why this is extremely important because there is the number one priority at all costs should be enhanced relative strength. So relative strength being the ability to lift one's own body weight. So the formative years should have a heavy emphasis on relative strength whilst drip feeding different soft implements throughout each program to keep them enthused and engaged, utilizing the actual gym space and the equipment that comes with it to keep that excitement there. It's when they get into years eight, year nine specifically, where introduction of fundamental or key lifts, so to speak. So if you think of back squats, deadlifts and things like that, that's where the harder implements can start to take a greater course or greater portion of the programs. The reason why I'm highlighting this is because if you delay the use of hard implements within a school facility, 
you will get better movers, more competent in lifting their own body weight through various planes and at various speeds. The challenge that comes with that is if they are introduced too early into hard implements and they gain that strength, you will find it significantly challenging to strip that back and getting them to actually do relative strength-based exercises. The third that I want to address is to do with general versus student athlete, so to speak. I prefer personally not to refer to it that way because if you think back a couple of years to Nike's slogan that said, if you train, you're an athlete, and I very much hold on to that in the schooling space. The reason being is this. A good example would be that in the textbook periodization by Bomper and Half, he refers or they refer to it as a multilateral approach. The multilateral approach emphasizes that it's not about the priority of specialization or specificity, so to speak. It can be included, but it should not be the underlying factor or uh, dominant for consideration for your programming accordingly. Every student that comes through, irrespective of the sport that they play, should be building overall general athleticism, being multiplanar, lifting their own body weight, that relative strength, and with the least amount of limitations, being mobility, flexibility, and things like that that come with that. The reason being is because when they get to year 10, and transition into the flagship premiership representative teams, that's where the sport specificity lies and can be done so successfully with the least amount of injuries and maximum amount of competency that comes with that. So in summary, if you find yourself in one of those positions, being an athletic development coach and wondering how you go to or tick off the lowest hanging fruit when it comes to your program design, first and foremost, establish which LTAD model you are going to utilize, understand your schooling context specifically, and why the rationale you are actually utilizing that model progressively throughout the student's schooling experience. Understand the importance, how early you are implementing hard strength-based pieces of equipment within the gym, bleeding those soft implements in there. And the third and final one is how are you differentiating between the general students or the student athletes? Because in the foundational years or the formative years of their athletic development journey, there may not necessarily be the, as big a divide as you would initially think there was. Thanks very much for tuning into episode number one. No doubt you've taken at least one thing away from this episode to do with coaches programming in the high school setting. Looking forward to episode number two, which is specific to parents in understanding why athletic development is absolutely essential with this generation and no longer an option. <laughs>